welcoming back to uh, the cast of Cthulhu, we have uh, Thomas Campbell, who last uh, we talked about him. Uh, this was something we had been chatting about off mic. It's been oh, not over two years. Mar Mar uh, uh, late 2020 uh, when we last talked to you, Tom. Was that was that what we ultimately decided on? Yeah, I think I think we decided it's it's been a while. There's been a lot going on since, but yeah, <laughs> it's a, a long time coming. A, a few things here and there. We've yeah. we've all aged ten to fifteen years in this <laughs> uh, brief period. Um, but you are back uh, on the cast of Cthulhu, not to talk about Deadbolt films, which you were here to talk about uh, last time, but because um, you are the uh, creator and the writer of the uh, indie comic series Abyssal Albion. Um, yeah. So I guess we, you know, we want to talk to you about that, about the process, all sorts of stuff. But um, I guess I wanted to start with what was, what was uh, I, I guess the the genesis of the idea? Basically, I mean, we, we've we've we mostly talk on the Cast of Cthulhu about you know film and TV. We had one episode on a Lovecraft inspired video game, but um, what was it for you that like you know you wanted to kind of get into um, a comic or something that was sort of a uh, you know, a non-filmic um, medium specifically. God, um, so I've, I've, I've always loved comics. Comics were like the big passion for me when I was a kid. I was absolutely one of those like late 80s, early 90s X-Men kids that oh. just got totally <laughs> swept up with all that side of things. And I mean, that kind of is what really introduced me to comics. Um, and then as I've gone on, I... I've fallen in and out of love with them. I went through that, you know, that huge indie phase where I'd only read like Dan Clowell stuff and all that. Um, and yeah, so I've always, uh, I've always been very comics adjacent anyway. Everything I do, I've always kept reading comics. I'm a massive fan of like, you name it, any Star Wars comic. I love, love reading all them, that side of things. Uh, and then obviously started, started, the screenwriting thing, working with um, Gavin, the guys over at Deadbolt, uh, COVID hit, and decided, you know what, now's the perfect time, since we can't actually go out and make films, to uh, put this idea that I had into practice and try and, you know, do a comic instead. And then for people that are not um, aware of it, I mean, we've certainly tried to to um, you know, retweet and, and pimp out your stuff as much as you can. But just yeah. if you can kind of give like a general a general overview of um, what is Abyssal Albion, um, you know, the the premise behind, it and also how how it sort of ties into this this idea of of Lovecraftian horror. Okay, so Abyssal Albion is essentially um, well, initially when I first came up with the idea, I wanted to do something that was kind of like the road meets Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> so it's a post-apocalyptic uh, Lovecraftian survival horror. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> but uh, basically the world ends, the old gods rise up and people start going mad. And now it's sort of in that post-apocalypse where uh, a brother and a sister are trying to survive in a Britain that is swarming with Creatures, madness, and cults. So, contemporary Britain is what you're saying. It's contemporary <laughs> Britain, yeah. So it's it's modern. It's sort of like day after tomorrow sort of thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. so getting to get trying to get away from that because obviously, anytime you see anything Lovecraftian, and it's normally set in like the 20s, 30s, and all that sort of side of things. But I thought it'd be quite interesting to do it mm -hmm. in a modern setting as well. 
Sorry. Well, and I was going to say what I like about the modern setting is while it's still modern, you know, because it's a post-apocalypse, nothing's like working anymore. So it's like, yeah, that's the two like land and like, you know, rereading them before this, I was just like, you know, did I did I not notice that he didn't name the brother and sister so far? And I kind of love that because they're just bro and sis, you know, like, yeah, I, I and I like that because because even in the first issue, when they meet up with the guy, Nathan, he's, you know, the brother's about to say his name where and then like and throughout the sisters just like, Shh, stop it. Like because she knows you can't trust anybody. He's still like, you know, young enough that. He's trustworthy. Oh, he must he must have been a cop. So he's trustworthy. But That's she knows it. more than that. You know, and I but I kind of love that like feeling of like while you're reading it, and and there and both issues are like these like really fun, fast reads where you're like, oh man, like what's next? And then you you know, you're showing the glimpses of like, oh, here's here's one of the old gods that comes out of nowhere. And like, but what I love about it is that the brother and sister feel like a brother and sister like they kind of annoy each other but they really are there for one another and so far like with the two issues i'm like okay good i care about these characters for once in a in, a, in like a because a lot of post-apocalyptic comics a lot of times and hell this even happened with the walking dead when i when i first started reading it i was very like into it and then after a while, i just didn't care about the characters anymore like at like mm. and that was like only like 50 and you know while i love the you know kirkman's writing I don't know why just like the you know comic and then the tv show was even less like i i <laughs> might get hate hate for that but i only got six episodes into that and then i was like uh yeah, yeah. i kept up with the comics a lot long after yeah. the tv show just Same. cut off for me i was like I'm, I'm not digging this at all no but yeah but yeah but that's what's for me to say like so like with with you know like you're saying like you're from like you know you love like the x-men like the chris claremont especially <laughs> one of my favorite writers um i also like you know growing up my my comic book of choice was always like anything by peter david like peter david yeah. was oh, yeah. a favorite mm-hmm. so it's incredible hulk run was amazing but to kind of tie in like um any other like lovecraftian comic books like growing up or even up until recently like did you not not like look for like you know inspiration but like you actually dug and went oh you know what i you know that's why i love like the Lovecraftian stuff because it works in comic book form. But like any 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 specific like comics like that you kind of like point to like, oh, if you like this, you'll also like this, you know, kind of tie it in a little bit. Um I with the Lovecraftian thing, that was it's when it came to the comics, like very late to the party. I've always mm. obviously I've always really loved love Lovecraftian stuff. Um uh I think the thing that kind of made me, it's it, it's not Lovecraftian as it's such, but I was really into like the Dark Horse Alien comics and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like big time into them. Uh, and I think it was actually through that that franchise that I probably experienced more and more, got an idea of what Lovecraftian was, um, this unknowable horror from beyond the stars and all that sort of side of things, which then brought me back round again to... Um, to Lovecraft's writing itself, um, but when it uh, comic wise, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say in regards to Lovecraft and comics. I mean, there's so many good ones, but most of them I would have probably have read 
as an adult, I don't think mm-hmm. there's many as a kid that I read that went like, oh my God, this is great. I mean, outside like the old issues of like the old Doc Strange and stuff like that, mm. I can't think okay. of anything as a, when I was reading like X-Men and that, that really screamed Lovecraftian outside of just the inherent weirdness of it all, which is <laughs> something that, you know, one of the things that I loved about comics is just how how weird you can be with them. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, in other certain mediums, you can't really go too weird with comics. You absolutely can. And that, <laughs> and you've you've just kind of touched upon something that I wanted to then get into is just this idea of transferring over mediums. I mean, you you've you do a lot of screenwriting, you do a lot of filmmaking. So, what have you seen as sort of like um, a, a freedom that now that you're writing comics, like, oh, I couldn't do this in film, but I can do this here and then you know vice versa sort of like well if i was making a movie i could probably do this but because i'm working in the comic medium i have to kind of change my approach to something money (laughs) (laughs) budget budget Budget. absolutely budget um i'd never be able to do what i you know this series um i'd never be able to write it it's just budget concerns it just would not get made um the fact that you know i can I can, in a, it's weird, obviously there's a lot less time to tell a story in a comic as well. Mm-hmm. And I think at the moment I'm trying to tell like a full story in like, you know, so many pages. Um, yeah, budget budget for one is is huge sort of thing. I like the fact that with this comic as well, I'm kind of working on it solo, not to disparage the guys that I work and make films like Gab and stuff. Um, it's it's nice to just be able to just do whatever I want as well. I'm finding <laughs> right. it, yeah, I just passed the artwork to the artist. And though he gives in his, like, his comments and he'll play with it as well. That's Wayne. Wayne is very vocal in if telling me if something doesn't work. But it's quite nice in the fact that the story itself, I can just have, I can just go mad with. I think that's what I'm really enjoying. That's probably the biggest difference. I can absolutely just run rampant with what i want to occur would you say that you're going mad with power <laughs> a little bit just a <laughs> little bit i'm not gonna lie it's it's fantastic like but yeah um it, it's it's not 100 miles away from each other like the the difference is, isn't exactly too great um but yeah, I, I guess the big the big thing is uh, budget with comic. I can just really just go out and go insane. And then uh, I'm curious as a your your personal process because I, I've you know I've I've read comics certainly. Uh, you know I do now. I did one as a kid, and there are certain arcs and runs. You know, a, a, a you know a Grant Morrison might come on to X Men for a little bit and write for a little while, and it's like okay, move on yeah. to the next one, and, and his sort of arc is done. When it comes to arcs and stories, I mean, when you started this out, or even now as you're going along, do you have kind of like a an arc and ultimately kind of like, okay, I know there's going to be so many issues, or do you have more of an approach like, listen, you know, as long as people are buying stuff, I'll just kind of keep going with it. Um, it's funny you mentioned about like Grant Morrison and uh, coming back onto uh, like doing X Men. That's actually what got me back into superhero comics. <laughs> it made yep. me realize I was like, yes. "Oh my god, this is great!" Um, and that's when I started reading superhero comics again. <laughs> um, but anyway, to answer that question, um, yeah. So I've got an outline. I've got an outline that I scribbled down when I first started. 
uh, initially I really wanted to do, I was going to do like maybe five issues, but as it's going along, um, it seems to have legs. So I'm kind of branching out slightly. I still want to tell an overall story within five. Um, well, five, five at the moment, I think initially I was going to do four. Mm-hmm. I think I might need five now. Um, but I'm, I'm also kind of changing it a lot as well. I'm finding as I'm going along, there's things that I'm like, oh my God, I can actually do this as well. So <laughs> where I've got, where I've had this broad outline, I'm, I'm kind of winging it at certain points as well, which I guess I really shouldn't say because um, <laughs> a lot of people look down on that. Um, they think you should just have like a, a, a full on, you know, this is where you start and this is where I'm ending. I know where I want it to start. I know where I want it to end. Um, it's just as it's going along, I'm slightly changing up things a bit. So. Well, yeah, it's all about it's all about the journey, you know. Like in- Absolutely, that's that's what I want it to be is like just uh, a quite a fantastic journey. Well, and, and also, I mean, something that you, I'm sure you're aware of fully as a creator and many people are sort of like, it's not just that you dictate the characters. I mean, once you kind of start getting to know them, writing them, like in, in a way, there's almost sort of like, well, no, the, the characters kind of start working back on you too. Like, well, no, they wouldn't yes. do this. They would probably do this instead. And so I was like, yeah, the best laid plans of mice and men, but like by issue four, yeah, maybe that uh, maybe where he ends up in issue five like doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, uh, I'm finding that quite a lot. Um, you know, you sit there and you, the more you think about these characters, the more they're, they are literally dictating to you the way that they would act. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so my initial plan was they were going to do this thing, but actually, now that I've started to write the characters, they've told me, no, screw you, we're going to go do this other thing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that absolutely works. So it is, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of change going on within... And I think actually this next I- issue is probably going to branch off more from where I was going um, purely because of characters. But then, you know, I'm also getting feedback constantly from people mm-hmm. and and that's that's kind of influencing the way, the direction that I'm going as well, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it's it's certainly working quite well. Um, and, and I mean, you, you mentioned the budget thing, so I wanted to, to get back to that a little bit, not to get into the minutia of it necessarily, but I know, you know, when it first launched, you had a, you had a Kickstarter going, I know James yeah. and I both contributed to, so, uh, no, thank you very much. Yeah. You're, 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 you're welcome. Uh, we can take credit, I think entirely for this, uh, oh, comic series <laughs> <That's it. laughs> getting off yes. the ground. Um, so are you working entirely still through like crowdfunding? Have you attracted kind of outside sponsors? Well, I, I'm, I'm curious as to once again, not the nitty gritty, but just kind of the, the balance as to like, okay, I've got this amount of money coming in. So I know I can, you know, do X, Y, and Z with this. Uh, don't write comics if you want money, people. <laughs> <laughs> all I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I've got like, I've got like that. There's that base now there's people that love it um so but i'm finding that crowdfunding is the way forward for me to be able to go um it's just that initial groundswell and then people funding it and then i can move on to the next one uh so i am going to be kickstartering uh kickstartering that's kickstarting yep, that's the thing sure. the, uh the yeah, next yeah. one hopefully quite soon but yeah. that's that's my intention i mean if i could get it picked up somewhere and people were willing to um 
you know, finance it, that'd be great. But I'm finding like, yeah, the Kickstarter model. I like the Kickstarter model as well because it gives me a lot more freedom as well. Like I said, at the end of the day, the only person I'm really answerable to outside of the backers, of course, is is myself. I don't have to worry too much what I'm putting in there. I can put my own views within there and, you know, and that sort of side of things. Well, yeah, going into like the creative process in comics, you know, the older I've gotten, like, you know, you start to see, you know, not the, I mean, I would say the flaws in like the big, the bigger companies like, you know, Marvel and DC, when you find out about the, uh, the backstage stuff, that's it. You know what I mean? And like the drama and like how a certain writer sound fun. No, and and that's the thing. And like, but then you hear about like stuff like image comics and what they've actually become now where it's more, oh, you're the creator. You own the rights basically, you know, so if you do like, let's say, get get a, you know, a call from Hollywood to say, hey, we want to adapt this. It's yours. It's not like yeah. Todd, Mc, Todd McFarlane is like, well, not sure about that. Like each studio is its own kind of... um little planet in this company, which I kind of like that model more. And then, you know, which is why Kickstarter and like Indiegogo and stuff works well too, because, you know, you don't have to have like an editor down your back saying, Hey, uh, that knows nothing about your vision and goes, Hey, uh, that's it. They, they wouldn't do that. And you're like, what are you talking about? They wouldn't do that. Like, you don't even know <laughs> then you don't even know who they are, you know? And, and it, it's sad. Cause like the more I've like, especially like when you see about rights and like, who owns the rights and how long it's taken certain, like, you know, I, I go back to like the whole Batman thing and how Bob Kane took all credit for it. Yeah. And, you know, you grow up and you think, Oh, Bob Kane creator. And then you like, Oh, he basically did nothing. It was Bill Finger who did it all. And that took him 10 years after he died to get any credit. And it's like, <laughs> no, you, why go through that when now? Exactly. Yeah. Get, you know, uh, you, fully, fully agree. It's, it's yeah. just, <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that. I do love the way that, you know, I've got full, you know, control over everything. And yeah. it's it's nice. It's uh, like I said, I think that's probably the difference. Once again, like, like I mentioned earlier, it's like working with film and doing the comic as well. I've just got I've got full control um, outside of the art um, yeah. because, you know, but even that, that's that's fantastic. Um, there's such a good relationship there. Like. I'm happy. I feel comfortable enough to be able to say like, oh no, I don't like this about the art. Thankfully, knocks it out of the park, mm-hmm. park all the time. So, yeah. And what is the, I don't want to say what is the goal that that, that would imply that there's kind of like a single mind in this, but I mean, like, are, are you, do you imagine or, or hope at one point like this, this could actually be in kind of like storefronts or are you just kind of happy with, uh, with kind of the, the path that you're on currently? Um, oh god a goal i could be completely mercenary about it and just go money um <laughs> no um yeah I, it'd be great to have it like my, my personal goal for it is to be able to just continue telling this this story seeing how far it would go um i, I you know i'm not god to be able to get like my dream would be to be able to go to a convention and people come up and be like, oh my God, this comic's amazing. Or, um, well, probably won't get that. But, <laughs> you know, or like see people doing like fan art and all that side of things. That would be my dream. That would be when I would be happy. 
with it. I think that's probably my ultimate goal is just to be able to throw something out there that kind of inspires others and that others love. Um, would it be nice to obviously go maybe take it bigger? It'd be nice to do like I think one day. I mean, this is this is obviously hypothetical. I don't ever think it's ever going to happen. But if like you know, get a film or something made of it, um, that would be fantastic. But I think at the moment it's mainly just that. Yeah, it's to get that sort of um, just just be able to make people happy is my main goal. That is, that is certainly a, a noble aspiration for sure. Um, and I, I mean, you know, you've, you've the guessed sappy it on. The one? The people like, oh my God, is, <laughs> did he just say that? No. Fame and wealth and all that is the true answer. But no, well, you know, is it? Well, here's here's what you do. You, you set your you set your goals, you know, you kind of set a low bar for your goals. So that way, if you exceed them, then it's a win. And if you achieve them, then it's also still a win. You know, it's a win-win situation, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I do... It'd be great to be able to turn it into something more. Um, I, I I would like to maybe get like use it as a jumping off point to obviously explore other mediums and stuff using this this world and that. But I think as as a as a goal itself, I think yeah, just making people happy is a perfectly fine goal, and I think that's that's where I would be happy too. You know, there's no something that's like not too much pressure or anything like that. I just enjoy doing it um yeah yeah that makes sense to me um cool. and i and i mean you know at this point you've been on the cast of cthulhu twice so it's pretty much all downhill after this i think you're you've kind well, of... that's it i mean well yeah <laughs> you've you've, you've no, basically I've... you've basically peaked so anything after this is just kind of you know uh above exactly. how say. how far can i get that's it this is the height of fame for me so thank you for having me on guys and continuing like feeding the ego <laughs> Well, I mean, it's the least you could do for us after we funded your entire project. Is, is well, that's true. That is true. Um, I will make sure your names are on the front next time. I must have <laughs> oh, nice. off last time. <laughs> um, when you do get that film adaptation, I expect our names in the executive producer credits. Oh, section. of course, absolutely, of course. Um, no, but and and you know, speaking of a, a film thing, I one thing I was thinking of specifically when it comes to Lovecraft and adapting it to a medium is I have to imagine you have more freedom because. When it comes to films and TV stuff of Lovecraft, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is it, it, it can be difficult because you can't depict people's kind of internal machinations, but in a comic, yeah. you can do that. Like, yeah, have that thought bubble, have that speech role, and it's all par for the course, basically. Absolutely. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest issues when it comes to uh, Lovecraftian adaptations on films, and I think so many of them just fail to actually get across the feeling of the actual characters themselves, um, which I think is quite vital. Obviously, Lovecraft does it and, you know, his writing and stuff. Um, and I do like that on comics. I mean, personally, I try not to use thought bubbles because mm. I I'd, I'd like minimalism in mm. a way. Yeah. When So anyway, we can try and get across the actual feelings of the characters uh, just through dialogue and that, the better. But um, mm. I'm not too sure where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's it's the it's the show <laughs> yeah. don't tell kind of rule. Well, yeah, yeah, that's it. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I think where, obviously when it comes to Lovecraft in film and that you've got like special effects and all that side of things, and if they don't work on film, then it's not going to be as creepy as what you're intending. Whereas I think with comics, obviously 
you can you can draw things in quite a terrifying way mm-hmm. like um it's great so uh wayne's basically made this creature for us i uh, don't know if you've seen some of the promo art that we're doing for the third issue at the moment and uh, it's basically this uh creature with its head split open tentacles all out all very lovecraftian <laughs> but i love the fact that if you probably it could probably look quite silly on film but on page right. like even my like my ex-wife she saw it and she just doesn't like it she was like and i mean not doesn't like it in a you know that's that's rubbish she's no, like yeah. it's actually <laughs> unsettling and i think it is good with on that sort of level in comics as well like though it is still quite visual you can you can fill in the spaces around it well yeah like what and, and that's a, the great thing about like really great art is you know in a comic book like you can it's really about the Im- imagination that kicks in with how is that thing even going to move and yeah in a, and in a film like you said sometimes it looks a little doofy like that's the not the problem but a lot of times you know you look at older comic book movies and how the costumes look cheesy because uh, they were going straight from the page and it's like yes it doesn't always work straight from the page like you have to cut like you know like you look at the old captain america movie with uh matt salinger um, <laughs> you know uh, which i love that you know jd salinger's uh son which is really fucking weird like catcher in a rye no, i never i never even knew yeah. that I never made that connection that is yeah bonkers. so weird it's so bizarre <laughs> to think oh you're oh that my guy wrote catcher in a rye and you're Captain America? Yeah, but, uh, you've, you've actually just blown my mind there. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. But yeah, but you watch it and you're like, it looks really cheesy. And then like, yeah, really it started like, you know, later on with film, you know, like like something like even hell, even the X-Men, you know, films, they looked a little more streamlined because they're like, oh, yeah. let's clean it up. Let's make them look more tactical. And like, it starts to make sense. And then now, you know, when you do get a weird character that pops up, it actually is supposed to look weird. Like in something like Guardians of the Galaxy, you go, okay, you're supposed to look bizarre, you know? But even Thanos, if you took Thanos from the comic book page, yeah. how he used to look, and in a, in a movie, he would look stupid. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. So that, and that's what I kind of love about like, especially with a comic book, you know, you could just like a little change of, of a panel and then just be like, and just one little dialogue, like, you know, like someone going, oh shit. That's all you need because you're like, oh, yeah, that's how I'd react too. I, I don't need to have a like a whole like it's kind of like what I always love and I hate about Chris Claremont because sometimes he'll just have them even during a battle. They'll just be espousing like so much oh, dialogue. Absolutely. You're like, would you be doing that while you're fighting? Yeah. <laughs> Not like really. Having a full on conversation like these huge, deep existential right. crisis <laughs> chats. Whilst they're punching each other in the face, it's like, oh my god! Right, yeah. like, let, 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 and like Jim said earlier, less is more, and it's true. Like yeah. sometimes, if I'm reading and I go, you know, especially like I go back to like the the, the quick battle with you know Nathan in in the cabin, and like how he's just this beast now, and like they're not saying much. It's just like stop, you know, like because you're not yeah. going to say too much. You know, you're just trying to fight this thing. You're like, I don't know how to even survive right now. What am I going to do? So that's it. I mean, I appreciate that. one of the things when I'm when I'm going through, it, I want to try and make it sound uh, quite natural in the dialogue, because mm-hmm. one of the things that does draw me out of certain comics, um, certainly, you know, you see it more in old ones, uh, is that there is a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And it's like these, you know, I get it. I get it. People have a lot to say. 
but I think obviously because of the feel of it, I'm where well, I'm going for that post-apocalyptic sort of thing, and it's brother and sister, they're not going to be talking to each other all the time. Right? <laughs> I mean, you sit there with somebody that you love the dearest, uh, you can be sat at home in the living room next to him, you're not going to be chatting away to them all, all the time, are you? Let's face it. You know, you run out of things to say, and certainly when the world's gone to crap, what you know, I find that even with COVID, you know, how many times can you talk about hmm, nice pandemic outside today? <laughs> so there's, there's that sort of there's that sort of level to it, isn't there? That I just I try to keep the dialogue as minimal as possible because between the two characters, they they say what needs to be said. They'll have like. I think the second issue, I kind of ramped it up a bit more. There's more dialogue between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, I like to think it works in the context of what they're doing. They're not just chatting for the sake of chatting. It's still very functional um, yeah. while still, still ha- hopefully still hitting the right uh, emotional beats that they should be having as like a brother and sister, but not for the not talking for the sake of talking. And, and like you said, just letting it, then the story itself, like the art and the panels and everything else, tell the story rather than them uh, saying, oh, look, what a wonderful apocalypse. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense that if you just think of how much of our day in, day out conversation revolves around stuff which is not necessary for our survival. We might talk about dinner. Or we, may, we might talk yeah. about, you know, going right. to see friends or whatever. But I mean, a lot of times it's like, Hey, did you see this movie or did you catch the game or, uh, is, yeah. you know, you know, what are you doing for your birthday? There's a lot of stuff that like, yeah, if you're if, if you were in a post apocalyptic setting, everything just becomes about survival and how much of that is an actual part of our conversation. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to. Yeah. You know, there's no new films coming out. They're not going to be chatting about that or anything like that. They're not going to be having friendly conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of I mean. When it comes to that, I mean, even like I mentioned, even the, when I first said what I wanted it to be was the the road meets Call of Cthulhu, uh, that even goes back to the fact that they I haven't given them names at this point. Um, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that might be showing up in issue three. So hmm. definitely, Ooh. if you want to find out more about them, do back kick, uh, Kickstarter on issue three. But um, anyway, but in regards to that, I mean... Even that, there's not that much conversation between the the what's it, man and boy, because the two characters yeah. are, don't yeah. have names because mm-hmm. it's not it's not important. It's just not important. Um, and that's that's kind of what I was trying to get at with with these two characters not having names, and the dialogue is just it, it it's a homage to that sort of thing. It also sounds a lot like I mean I you know. The Road meets the Cast of Cthulhu, and I'm I'm thinking my brain just keeps going back to a, a film we have not yet covered on this podcast, but I think I've put in 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 the hopper as one that we should consider is uh, Gareth Edwards' Monsters, yes. uh, yeah. which which sounds very so. I'm, I'm wondering if, if that was at the forefront of your mind, or if that just turns out to be like, oh yeah, there there's that thing which is similar as well. Yeah, I, I'm literally just going, oh yeah, there was that thing that's similar as well. <laughs> I, I, I actually really enjoyed that film, but I honestly can say that I haven't really thought about it mm-hmm. since you just mentioned it, which I don't know if that says if that's a good bad thing, because it is a great, it's a great film, isn't it? it it's yeah. it's real good. I, I think it's I think I think the <laughs> reason you guys on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, and my my speculation is I think the reason we don't talk about it 
is because his output as a feature director has been overshadowed by his mm. his property since, which are, in my opinion, the very underwhelming Godzilla and Rogue One. Um, yeah. And I, I keep having this thing of like, let Gareth Edwards go back and make his own scripts, please, or, or let him make a movie where he has kind of full control over it. Because Monsters mm. is, I think, wonderful. Godzilla is fine uh rogue one had a whole lot of studio meddling and it's like that you know you hire this guy because of what he can do not because of what you want him to do yeah yeah definitely i'm I'm gonna flout and say now that i think rogue one's one of the best star wars films to come out recently no recently uh well you know since the 70s i i will well and i'll i'll confess two things or i'll add two caveats and like one i haven't seen rogue one since i saw it in theaters for the first time yeah. Um, and two, I think that also not to not to necessarily make it a back in a compliment, but I think it also speaks to honestly the quality of recent Star Wars movies. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. I should say the, the uh, lack of, yeah. of them, basically. Um, yeah. yeah, my my wife and I just finished watching the book of Boba Fett. And it's it's interesting to me that one, the best episodes were just the Mandalorian episodes. And, <laughs> yeah. And two, how um, yeah, we are now fully in this this period especially with star wars where it's like we're not interested in telling original stories we just want to give you all of what we've already given you um because that's a, that appears to be all that you want fans so is, i could never which, i never thought i'd turn around and say i hate robert rodriguez right. <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny because like you like going to like the star wars front when when they when you know disney and what a bought it you know full stock they remember they said oh we're not going to go back to any of the old stuff yeah, mm-hmm. but then that's, the and moment, that's exactly what they've done, right? And it's so bizarre that, like, oh well, and don't get me wrong, nostalgia is key. Like, you know, it's sad, mm-hmm. it's sad but true. With with something like Star Wars, nostalgia is key. But when you like, you go from one end to the other end, it's like, okay, now what are you actually trying to trying to tell? Like, what kind of stories? And you can't, you you have to think, you know, someone like Robert Robert Rodriguez and and people like that, they grew up with Star Wars, so. Yeah. You would hope that they were trying to tell a good story. And I haven't seen the book of Boba Fett, but I've heard those complaints. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you screw up a Boba Fett story? I like, well, they managed it. Like, <laughs> but he's, yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> they really and, managed it. <laughs> and, that, and that makes me depressed because I'm like, I was really excited. But then when I started hearing a, like and from people that I like actually really trust that I'm like, really, they screwed yeah. that up. How, how did he like Boba Fett's like badass, like just have him coming out of the Starlock pit and just wreaking havoc in the universe, like just like killing people. That, that To me, that's it's easy. It's so sad. It's, I, my big, the big thing that annoys me about Star Wars is this reliance on Tatooine as a planet. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And yeah. It's they keep just, going back. I think that's probably the thing that annoys me the most is like everything centers around this one planet. But even in the first film, it was like, you know, there's the, it's a shithole. The, the farthest place from the brightest like, part of the galaxy, or whatever. I can't remember the quote now, which is awful <laughs> as a Star Wars fan, you know. <laughs> um, but it's just to have another series set completely there. And then they're going back to it again when obviously they do Kenobi. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh my and God. It's like, oh right. my God, really? Do we have to go back again? And. And I'm sure the Mando, Mandalorian season three will return there again because well, apparently yeah. everything well, exciting happens on this one little backwards world. And think about it. I, I think, again, even though this is Star Wars, it's probably because of budget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. And, and it's sad. It's like, oh, where can we film? We can film in Arizona, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, Let's... but it, I mean, the, the one thing I will say is because it, most of that stuff is shot on a soundstage in a, true in too. a, that yeah, is true too. You're in right. a, a right. highly inventive and, um, yes, groundbreaking kind of, uh, I'm going to put it very simplistically, um, you know, screen, like green screen technology. Yeah, yeah thing. to be fair, they, they, they've actually, yeah. Okay, but, yeah. That's but, true. but give us some different backgrounds, though. Well, well sure. Give us more like snow. Give us. Well, that, yeah, well, that's it. That makes it even more depressing. Is right. that they could literally go to any, <laughs> anywhere in the galaxy. Yeah. Right. And they use more desert. <laughs> I mean, I think it's we should have we should have learned our lesson from Game of Thrones is that if you have an entire world dictated by one or two singular voices and when it comes to Mando and Boba Fett, it's it's John Favreau is the first and last say so. And yeah. I mean, did I like Iron Man? Sure, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do I think that John Favreau should be? in charge of the entirety of the star wars tv output no i do not no um but yeah but i mean we are we are not here to talk about um the book no. of Fed. <laughs> we are here to talk about abyssal yeah. albion um and i <laughs> but i mean th there is some correlation there i mean you know you have uh, boba fett crawling out of a sarlacc pit you have sarlacc you have rancors um a great thing about lovecraftian stuff is are the gods and yeah. i want to i want to talk a little bit about that because obviously when it comes to lovecraft stuff i mean there are certain templates or kind of consensus designs for characters for cthulhu for um uh, amigo for um a shoggoth you know it, but you're kind of creating your own thing so i mean when it comes to like hey what are these gods going to look like or what are these things going to look like do, do you just kind of your brain have free reign or are you trying to kind of like think of okay, what would scare me or what has come before kind of a thing? What was your approach to that? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously very heavily inspired by what's come before. And I mean, when, when people think about Lovecraft, there's obviously this, the, the standard template that they think about, like, like uh, you know, tentacles and all that sort of side of things. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that sort of element to it is when I'm trying to, when I'm thinking about what creatures I want to do, do try and, keep it in keeping with what people come to expect because that's what people expect um but i do uh, uh obviously taking in, in the creatures like uh the first issue we have a zoog uh they're only briefly described in the uh you know dream quest of unknown kadaf sort of thing mm -hmm. so that was kind of nice in the fact that we could do our own take on what one looks like um i hope people like what what we did with that and how we describe it um uh, and then obviously you know second issue we have the the old uh, deep ones and stuff mm. you can't really go far on that but it's a case of like this is just our take on it um yeah and it's same way i think we'll be we'll be the same with the old gods as well you know if we when we get around to showing certain things probably not trying not to make them look too much like what's come before before but uh what scares us yeah yeah what um, we find unsettling so can we expect a giant boris johnson to show up at some point <laughs> that's far too scary yeah <laughs> to be fair no that wouldn't be scary that would just be you just hang your head in sadness for <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god and feel really sick. seriously is yeah. that is that the worst the world's gonna throw at us now is this big bumbling idiot <laughs> so, <laughs> which it really has it'd be like a really disappointing 
Bay puff marshmallow. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was, I was just thinking if Goes of the Gozarians like choose the form of the destructor and like Boris Johnson comes, his hair is all messed up, he's bumbling and stumbling through his lines. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just oh, spouting off nonsense called like Latin. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I hate this country at this moment. No. <laughs> <laughs> um well oh. Um, I mean, listen, we're we're at least happy that we're not the only ones who are working on destroying democracy from the inside out. So, yeah. um, but uh, so yeah, so you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, issue three is is coming out soon or has just come out. So, I mean, talk talk a little bit if you could just let people know about um, what's on the horizon for this and what people can expect. Okay, so issue three is um, yeah, it's it's hopefully. I've just been putting the final touches on the campaign today, uh, throwing them to Wayne for his say so to make sure that he's happy with it because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to upset the artist. Um, but issue three is basically, once again, it's continuation of the story. So far, each issue, I've tried to keep it somewhat self-contained in what's happening. Uh, issue two goes slightly away from that at the end, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to be a further, uh, without giving too much away, Issue three is going to be a further exploration, more of the dreamland side of things that oh, we nice. introduced mm. into issue one. Yeah. Um, so, because I really didn't touch upon them in issue two, uh, no. and I wanted to do an entire issue that was just centered around that that sort of setting, and it gave me a fantastic opportunity to do that. So it won't, uh, you know, it's that's pretty much what it's going to be set in without giving too much away. We're going to learn some backstory of the characters themselves. Um, sad to say, names might actually be revealed. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. It's something slightly different. Um, you know, there's the horror aspect has ramped up slightly in this one as well. And I'm just, I just love the fact that I get to play in the Dreamlands a bit. That certainly sounds very exciting. Anyway, <laughs> um, the dreamlines are probably better than reality at certain uh, certain points. Uh, I have to say, um, and so then if people do want to um, get to know more about the series, want to support your stuff, I mean, where can they where can they go? Where can they find you? Where can they support you? Um, so the best place to support me at the moment is obviously waiting. I I would say wait for the next Kickstarter. You'll be able to get all the uh, previous issues um i've got physical versions that you'll be able to order as well if you get on there early enough uh but you can also you'll be able to pick up all the digital editions as well um but you can also check out uh by small mm-hmm. uh where i've got all the issues available digitally to buy um and it's great it's a great website um it's loads of good like small press comics indie creators the guy that runs it is just he's a legend he's <laughs> so helpful to the indie comic community as well definitely deserves business so please do check it out even if you don't buy mine there's loads on there that is just incredible cool great and then um you know uh, we're you're on twitter i know we've we've interacted with you but where can people find you so that they can tweet at you retweet you um you know uh, yeah, you no, or whatever. So i'm on i'm on twitter is the best place i'm pretty much constantly on there and if not posting i'm normally looking and reading and following everything uh my name on there is party underscore lard <laughs> lovely name that it is um 
And then there's also Abyssal Albion. You just search Abyssal Albion as well. Wonderful. Um, and we are, uh, of course, you can find us all over the place. Um, we are on Facebook at um, Cthulhu Cast and on Twitter at Cast Cthulhu. Um, you can follow me uh, at <laughs> Nolan Fixes Teeth. You can't follow James anymore. He has still <laughs> been banned from Twitter. Yeah, uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping by the next episode of Sorts that I'll have something new in the horizon so we'll see we'll yeah see. we will see and we will keep you updated on that <laughs> and of course you can email us your questions comments concerns um gift cards whatever you want um movies of madness at gmail.com is where you can find us um this would be the part where we say thanks for listening and check out our next episode on i'm realizing once again james we didn't do this but considering this conversation why don't we do well, monsters why don't we make monsters yeah, our next I, episode I, I i was thinking the same thing i'm like why not just go to edward's world of monsters I'm, I'm down with that that's that's exciting and maybe we'll talk about the sequel that they made too they made a sequel to that they did. <laughs> yes they did oh boy what was that is it dark country or something wasn't it i believe so yes so yeah. we'll... how can i remember that i've not even thought about the first one in years dark country i think, I think it's, it's something, something like it's that some lame name yeah it's like yeah. Monsters, dark country oh it's got thomas jane yep and it's yeah. directed by Thomas <laughs> Jane. That's really simple. Yep. Oh, bless yeah. him. He's in that. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he directed it as well. Ron Perlman. Okay, well, if Ron Perlman shows wow. up. Wait, so is it is it like a side note of the Mutant Chronicles? Wait, okay. I don't know if, if this sounds... Because the, the IMDb uh. premise for this is a couple en route to Las Vegas are forced to deal with a body out in the desert making their honeymoon one hellish ride. No, I don't uh, think... That no, can't be it. That's that, doesn't, a... <laughs> that doesn't sound like... <laughs> I was about to say, like, that sounds pretty exciting with that cast. No, I don't think, I don't think that's it. We will we'll cut oh, all this out. Oh, but... it's it's monsters, dark continent. Oh, dark that's continent, it. dark continent. There okay, that that sounds. Um, Edwards did not return to direct, but served as executive producer. Um, well, did you know fear has evolved? <laughs> that's the tagline for it, whichever the fuck that means. It was... but... <laughs> I was I was not it, it was it was written by uh Jay Basu and English director Tom Green. I don't know who I'm, that is. I'm, I'm Tom Green. Oh <laughs> Tom Green. Okay, so that's no, I imagine it was Tom Green actually. I'm, I'm Tom Green, welcome to Jackass. Um <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll either way, we'll definitely do Monsters in the next episode, and maybe we will do Monsters Dark Continent as but you know that's that's we don't plan that far ahead. No, no, we don't. We, the, the, thankfully, we don't plan that far ahead. Don't yeah. We? Um, but yeah, well, uh, tune in uh, next time. We will be uh, covering monsters, of course. Tom, thanks uh, uh, for joining us again. We really appreciate... Yes. Um, no worries. I'm, I'm sure it's all waffle and edit out as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but yes, uh, this has been the Casa Cthulhu talking to Tom Campbell about Abyssal Albion. Once again, Tom, thank you so much for joining us and yes, for no rearranging... Thank you for having your, me, but your, not with me your schedule and your health um Cheers. we certainly appreciate it but yeah um listeners thank you for um joining us in this conversation be sure to tune in next time where we will be covering gareth edwards debut feature monsters um and in the meantime we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead cthulhu in his house in relia <laughs> <laughs>